Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're reviewing one of Sammy's picks. Uh, Sammy, uh, I don't want to do this on Graphically Novel, but uh, explain yourself, sir. All right. So we are going to be going down memory lane and hitting 1997's Men in Black. Um, the uh, I guess I guess the movie that 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 kind of launched Will Smith into movies. I think I know he had a few things, but I think Men in Black was really one that uh, that got him kind of hitting the stratosphere there, teaming him with uh, veteran actor Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, against what a marauding bug played by Vincent <laughs> D'Onofrio. I mean, come on, I mean already. And then you pe- pepper in Rip Torn and Tony Shalhoub, and I mean, this is just a great movie. So I'm just I'm looking forward to us talking about this one, guys. Yeah, we're gonna talk about it. That 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 or somebody <laughs> needs to neuralize me, so I'll forget it. <laughs> one or the other. Well, there's definitely quite a lot here to talk about, but before we go into the alien underworld let's keep it 100 guys it's time to keep it 100 100 100 100 that's sammy you have the privilege of going first all right so sorry listeners it's two times you've had to hear me go lead um so this week i'm still coasting on impulse power and I have a new piece of Star Trek to pitch to our listeners. Um, if you search any podcatcher, you will find numerous Star Trek themed shows. But we now have an official Star Trek podcast. Star Trek The Pod Directive is hosted by Tawny Newsom, who is Ensign Mariner from Lower Decks, and actor-comedian Paul F. Tompkins. Each week, they interview well-known personalities about their personal connections and fandom of Star Trek. Uh, the first episode is out right now with guest Ben Stiller, who turns out owns a screen-used Gorn head and two pairs of Spock's ears. Um, so... <laughs> So set your phasers for fun and explore a bit of Star Trek, the pod directive. And that is my keeping it 100. Well, I've got a proposal. Sammy's writing our commercials from now on. <laughs> uh, I wasn't picturing Spock ears when I was watching Zoolander. But. If, if he can sell another <laughs> podcast that good, he better be able to sell this one that good. <laughs> <laughs> and actually the second pair he has Leonard Nimoy gave them to him. He sent him his ears from the the Abram Star Trek movies. So because wow. he found out he was a big fan and they had met at some gala or whatnot, and he learned about that he had one pair from season two of the original series. And so he sent him a second pair himself so that was pretty cool man <laughs> well i'm up next and i'm gonna do a very different commercial so don't i'll not be asked to do <laughs> to do a promo for the show <laughs> all right here we go uh, so x-men and the movie we're reviewing this episode have an era on my mind so i'm recommending 2003's daredevil uh, it's not a great movie 
uh, virtually every single person is miscast. I don't know what the director told Colin Farrell. Uh, the effects are super dated, but the movie has this fun energy about it. It's, it's an earnest movie, um, and I forgive so much for it. It's a fun flick. Plus, I'm a child of the 90s. That was that, that music is right in my wheelhouse. I unironically love the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So my keeping it 100 is 2003's Daredevil. Yeah, you put the, you know, John Favreau, I believe, uh, <laughs> yeah. in there. Uh, as Foggy Nelson. Joey Pants. Yep. Yeah. I'm a fan. Joey Pants is probably the only person not miscast in that movie. You're, you're probably <laughs> not wrong. You're probably not you wrong. You know, and it has that amazing teeter-totter scene. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Daredevil Electrofight on the playground. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> It's I don't so think that that's like good. stretched before that scene. He looks so stiff. Yeah, <laughs> so, so bad it's good. I, I, I own that movie unapologetically, and it, it, it hits the player from the time. I time. love it. I bought the director's cut. I love yeah. that movie so much, and I know it's not good. <laughs> it's just fun. Me Guys, I'll admit I own Electra. That's a bridge too far. I've, yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've seen, I'm not surprised, but you may, may, may want to hush. So I'm going to kind of branch uh, and blend your recommendations change, together. Change the subject. For, for something that is space-related and also something that's not really great, <laughs> but a show that I've seen that is really good. Uh, Netflix has recently released a limited uh, series about the January 28th, 1986 explosion of the Space Shuttle Challenger. Very interesting uh, how they talk about them reimagining the astronauts, how they are trying to reinvigorate the space race, um, how the uh, issues that they're having engineering-wise and technologically were affecting the, uh, the program. And how they kept pushing forward, trying to make this, you know, great program happen. And then the tragedy with uh, the explosion, uh, that that fateful morning. So uh, if you get a chance, I'm, I'm kind of in the midst of it right now. I haven't completed it. I remember seeing it on TV as a child, uh, sitting there uh, at a, actually at a cousin's birthday party, watching the aftermath of uh, that happening. And it was, uh, you know... A numbing experience, even even as a younger uh, kid. But, you know, uh, Challenger on Netflix. Check it out. You know, I was watching that live. It was a snow day, mm-hmm. and I was home. Wow. And I was watching it live when it happened, and I ran to the house, and I was yelling at my mom, 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 the, the space shuttle blew up. Yeah. Yep. I remember that yeah. well. I remember there was snow on the ground. We were at, we were at a, you know, one of my cousin's birthday parties. It was kind of earlier in the day. And, uh, you know, we were watching the uh, launch. And when that happened, you know, nobody believed it. You know, it was yeah. just so, so amazing. Yeah. But uh, it's very interesting how they were reimagining the astronauts. And, uh, you know, they were bringing these people from all walks of life, you know, not just the military pilots. You know, they were having school teachers and engineers. Yeah. And scientists, you know, uh, women, um, 
you know, people of color, uh, people of different, different, uh, you know, races, uh, you know, Asian, I think there was a couple there, uh, and that, kind of the grief that they had, uh, getting into that program, but it was really, really neat. Yeah. I've already added it to my Netflix queue while you were talking. Yeah. <laughs> so, you sold it. <laughs> Definitely worth a check out. But you know, that, tr- that, you know, tragedy of our space exploration, the space exploration and alien contact that Sammy referred to with Star Trek kind of brings us back around to this uh, show where aliens exist among us. They walk among us, they integrate into our society, and there is this secret agency that kind of cleans up after and tracks them all down, the men in black. So guys, Jamie, what's your opening thoughts? All right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with a B. <laughs> um, I kind of wish we hadn't rewatched this movie. Uh, I remember loving this movie, thinking it was like the funniest thing of the 90s. And, um, and it's just, it's still a fun movie. It's not as funny as I remember. Um, Will Smith still hasn't grown out of being the Fresh Prince yet. Um, (laughs) It's not really acting yet, you know. It's just not special. I remember this being a special movie, like a unique, you know. uh, But it's it's just not, and it's just it's a fun '90s movie. Um, I like it. It's just not as great as I remember. So it's a solid B. It's it's a good flick. It's a good time. I wasn't mad about those 90 minutes, but (laughs) I kind of wish I could have kept the memories though. Okay. Well, I am uh, up next, and I'm going to kind of echo your sentiments in the opposite way. I'm so glad I watched this thing again. (laughs) I'm so glad I watched this thing again. Uh, You know, I remember, you know, like you said, Will Smith hasn't grown out of the Fresh Prince. Uh, I I dug a little bit into his IMDb, and I think this, I think Bad Boys and then this. And then you have Independence Day and Enemy of the State as he's, you know, starting to grow out of his things. And, you know, he still has the soundtrack happening. Here comes the men in black, you know, with the dance and things. Uh, and the, yeah, he hasn't quite grown into those years yet. He hasn't. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's still the young punk. He, it, You really start to see some of his acting chops uh you know bad boys is just all attitude and action this you know he's got still got the attitude he's got the action but then you see a little bit you know he don't have martin lawrence to lean on it for the funny he's got tommy lee jones playing the straight man (laughs) to his comedic timing and and it really kind of shows his his range and some of his skill i love that this movie took itself serious without taking itself too serious (laughs) You know, they they kind of tackle it with a straight face, but it's still absurd and insane. Uh, I, I'm giving it a B as well. It's so much fun. There's a lot of holes in it. There's a lot of there's a lot of yeah. left completely like okay that happened. And <laughs> and but you know it's still so much fun. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad I revisited this. I don't think I had seen it probably since '98 '99. Um, you know, well, what was it, 2002, 2003, I think, Men in Black 2 was the last one of this series that I had watched. The last suit you'll ever wear again. <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, I'm Lord B. Sammy, what what say you? <laughs> okay, this is your um, opinion. Defend yourself. Well, as many of you could probably guess, I have a special affinity for movies that find their origins in comic books. And a lot of people don't realize that Men in Black started as a comic. Um, you know, it's the brainchild of Tennessee native Lowell Cunningham. Uh, it was owned originally by Aircell Comics, then moved to Malibu. And then at the beginning of the movie, we see Marvel Comics. Um, so and that's eventually where it ended up. Um, I never read the comic. I didn't do a whole lot of independent reading, but the movie caught my eye. And I was there opening weekend at the local cinema, and I loved it. Okay, I had that memory too, JB. That that just, oh, this is so good. I love this movie. Uh, it's, real, it's a light SF romp. Uh, it plays with a lot of genre tropes, and it kind of gives an original spin in some places, and I was pleased with that. So I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to give it an A minus. Okay, there's still that nostalgia there for me. I can't help it. So. I wish I could have kept my nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would have probably listed this among the top comedies in the 90s before I rewatched it. Oh, well. And now I'm like, it's fun. <laughs> Once or twice. <laughs> don't get me wrong. There's some things that don't hold up at all, but you know, yeah. we have sections for those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, it's no longer summer. Do we still have any fans around? All right, uh, Dwayne, you get to go first. <clears throat> Well, one of the things I loved about this movie is how they integrated the aliens into everyday life. <clears throat> you know, you've got the guy at the pawn shop. He's an alien. <laughs> you've got Riff Raff from, uh, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show showing up. His dog's an alien. <laughs> it's not even him. You know, the guy who owns a jewelry store. Your third grade teacher is an alien. You see the aliens that they're monitoring on the screens. Uh Michael Jackson, Sylvester Stallone. Stallone was my favorite. <laughs> yeah, different people, <laughs> you know. And you know when uh, Will Smith's trying to you know get his 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 hand handled back on reality after his uh, uh, outing with uh, Tommy Lee Jones. There, you know, you see the famous lot bicyclist in New York <clears throat> going, you know, traveling along, and you know how they're kind of bringing all of that back in. You know, the, the saucers at the World Fair are real saucers. You know, that's, you know, you kind of take that conspiracy theory thing. The aliens are among us and, and they wove it in here so well. So that's, that was my biggest fan. All right. I like that. And, you know, mine kind of goes along with that. Similarly, you know, I think this movie has an economy of storytelling. You know, it gets a lot across in that hour and a half, you know, hour and a, a little bit movie because. Can I, can I say something? I know we're not really, I know we really don't interrupt each other, but you said an sure. economy of storytelling, an yeah. economy of storytelling. They dropped the change all over the place, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but please continue. I'm sorry. No, but think about it. Think about how much, if this movie was made today, it would be a three hour movie. 
it would be double the amount of time this movie runs because they would have to explain every little thing. All there, there would be a cold open with the origin. There would be a post credit scene, but we, we get a very succinct story. It, it, blends everything together i love the fact that it is rooted in the real world you know the fact that this was a marvel pro- marvel property at the time you know it has those marvel touches we see all the new york city landmarks you mentioned the new york state pavilions observation towers you had the brooklyn battery tunnel ventilation building you had all of these things that are landmarks that are hiding in plain sight you know, they give the explanation of how how the organization forms from just a few photographs. You know, we don't have to have an entire movie on the origin of the MIB. You know, so I think there is an economy of storytelling here. I think it it keeps its through line, gives us the information it needs. Now, there's some things that don't hit, and I'm going to pan those. But I think for the most part, it's a it's a fun story. You know, and I, I think it's still watchable. <laughs> All right. I'll pick up the change, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was kind of hearing from office space, like the pennies from the thing, you know, the, 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 the pennies for the kids? No, no, the other pennies. Um, <laughs> uh, my fan is the buddy cop chemistry between Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, mm-hmm. I love the way they interact. It's very different from Bad Boys, but. Um, I love the contrast between Jay's big over-the-top personality and Kay being really reserved and being the straight man. Um, the competence-incompetence contrast. I mean, Tommy Jones does everything that's happening. Nothing takes him by surprise. Uh, Will Smith's getting thrown around by baby tentacles out of car windows. I mean, just, all, just the contrast is great. But there are also ways that they're alike. It's more subtle, but it works really well, too. They're both like really dedicated to getting the job done. Um, they have this, both have this like crazed determination. <laughs> no matter what happens, they're going to make stuff happen, you know. Um, so I, I, I love the way they played off of each other, and so and, and it was that you know straight cop, you know the, the you know the straight guy, funny guy, you know. I just it, it worked. Those two, I wouldn't have predicted that in 1996, <laughs> <laughs> but it worked really well together. And I, I and I see why they you know underutilized Tommy Lee Jones for the sequel. You had to have those two guys together again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, a thing that I would not want to do is to go into that break room <laughs> with those bugs <laughs> and see if there's any pans in there. But I bet we could find a few, guys. Let's take a journey. I wouldn't want to, have to clean that kitchen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sammy. Do you have any pains for this movie? I do. You know, Jamie, you talked about kind of the buddy cop nature of the movie. And I agree. I liked that. You know, but I've always felt like we don't get enough time with J and K to really get a true emotional impact when K's like, I'm out. Yeah. You know, when, when he said, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't training, I was training you to be my replacement. You know, that should be this big emotional gut punch moment, but it's really not. 
because we haven't developed that 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 partnership yet. It's cool, it's funny, they play well off each other, but it does it's a bit underwhelming when he basically says he's retiring and he wants, you know, will to neuralize him and all this stuff. So, you know, that's kind of my biggest pan. I just think that is one piece of plot that doesn't pay off really well. It doesn't work because there's no way that Jay is trained enough that he can take over for Tommy Lee Jones, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't work. And, and it, I, I bet if they had known there was going to be a sequel, they would have done it at the end of the second movie, not the first one. Right. Uh, all right, my pan. Um, who is this movie for? Um, there are some <laughs> really, really silly and cute bits that would be great for small children to watch. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten this was in a 90s movie, and so there's language like profanity nonstop throughout this whole nonstop. movie. Yeah. Right. And uh, anytime Linda Fiorentino is in front of the camera, there's nonstop innuendo. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Who's the target audience? I mean, really? And so, like, I mean, who do you show this movie to? I mean, who do you recommend this to? I mean, it feels like it feels like it should be a family movie, but it's not. No. Um, so yeah, that's just it's a strange little bit. Like you know, it's just oh, t- tonally there's some weird stuff in there, and that that's my biggest pain. It's just the tone is a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah, I had that exact same uh, experience with this movie because I'm like, oh, this would be great, you know, with the kids. And I'm like, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. They would, they, oh, God, they would love that. That would be so funny. It'd be hilarious. Yeah, I don't need to explain what she's needing help with, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, a, a thing that, uh, like you said, it's it's kind of that nineties. You still get some of that eighties inappropriateness mm-hmm. in 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 the comedies, but they're still trying to be cute and funny because you've got the Fresh Prince of Bel Air on. <laughs> you they still want to get that that uh, yeah. that teenage audience, and I guess you know your your audience is probably going to be a thirteen year old boy for this. <laughs> 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 you know, but now my my pen uh, is you know. Who were the aliens and what was their beef? You know, you have this really tall, lurch-looking guy, and you've got this small jeweler with the with the little itty bitty thing in his head, and then you've got this cockroach just wanting to kill him and get the galaxy. <laughs> I mean, what's the beef? I, you know, what what was their deal? And then do they give them a you know a standard galactic week to reply, which is an hour. <laughs> You know, just just little things like that, how they kind of played loose and fast with story and time and really didn't explain things, uh, you know, for the sake of a joke, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah, that's d- Don't worry not. about it. Just keep moving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gave like a nod. Like, oh, it produces a lot of energy. They need that. Keep yeah. moving, guys. Just keep trucking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it, is, there, is there a history here? You know, have they been fighting over this thing for centuries? Were there, was there a huge genocide war that these guys were seeking refuge on the planet? You know, because the one guy's referred to even as royalty. Yeah. Jamie, uh, who's playing script doctor now? <laughs> <laughs> I've got so many questions about that. The, the, the guy that had the galaxy, right? So, yeah. It's a tiny galaxy inside the cat's bell, right? Okay, what does he die of, precisely? Because the bug stabs the, his 
human suit thing through the neck. Yeah. He's in a seat inside the head. The head. The butt thing didn't go anywhere near him. They crack it open and he just dies. Now, um, I get that he's small. Is he small because he's from a small galaxy? He still wouldn't fit inside a cat bell. <laughs> <laughs> I get that he's little. He ain't I mean, that yeah. little. It's, are, they, yeah, are they protecting? Are they stewards of that yeah. galaxy? So many questions. The, the thing, yeah. you know, for the beings there, you know, uh, are they their protectors? Yeah, there's, like you said, yeah, there's so many questions there. My biggest one, though, was like, okay, why is he dying? Like, what did he die of? Because uh, <laughs> he was not stabbed by the bug. <laughs> well, this was two years. Well, this was two years before episode one. What, seven, eight years before episode three when Padme dies of losing the will to live? <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just don't want to live anymore. Oh. That, that reminds me, we shared this on the uh, Facebook group recently, but it was the, uh, it's, a, it's one of my favorite little memes, but it's when, uh, now that I have children, I understand why Yoda got so tired of Luke's question, he just opened died. died. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of yeah. that, he just opened dies. Yeah, yeah, this guy's got a galaxy protect, you know, he's just losing the will to live, Padme's just had <laughs> twins, just don't want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's just is that kind of weird thing. Yeah, but that's that's just one of those little things that that you're just like, okay, what's the importance here? Of course, it's weird and funny, but what does it matter? You know. Well, there's well, a lot of like the plot's really contrived. There's a lot of conventions. It's like, yep, keep moving. Yep, here, here, it is here you go. Trope move. move. Yeah, like like I said, it does. It has a lot of those real basic tropes that that we see. You know, in, in most science fiction and and i think in some ways that's what it was trying to do you know as far as just kind of play to the tropes a little bit i think you know and and i think Dwayne, very much like padme i think the little alien royalty dude like died of a broken heart also (laughs) (laughs) well that that being said I think we should, uh, you know, maybe have like an office appreciation day for the men in black staff and hand out some awards. Graphically novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not so classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. Well, I get to go first on best performance, but I'll just say, just blanket. Oh, th- those bugs in the in the break room are not getting any awards. Those guys are a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere they, they go, they got their Marlboros and they're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the most naughty thing in the movie. All the smoking they were doing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Things right, we so, would uh, not see in a movie now. So. Yeah. Uh, best performance, I think. I think we're all going to agree. You're, feel free to say somebody else when it's your turn, but I think Vincent D'Onofrio absolutely dominated this movie. I love how he plays Edgar and the bug, because, I mean, those are different characters, and he nails them both. Like, he is absolutely despicable as Edgar. And then he's just so over-the-top and crazy as the bug that it's great. Um, my favorite thing he does in this movie is the way he moves once the bug is in there. And the way he slowly kind of like the like the, the skin gets like less, you know, 
movable, I guess. And it starts tightening up on him. He starts moving even worse and worse and worse. And worse yeah. goes on. He doesn't, he doesn't know how he works. He's having trouble. <laughs> it's, so <great. laughs> it's so great. Yeah. D'Onofrio stole the movie for me. That, that absolutely held up for me. Yeah. Yeah. D'Onofrio was brilliant. Uh, I uh, agree wholeheartedly. I had him down as my ward, uh, you know, Edgar and Edgar suit performances. <laughs> But you know, since since we're all giving D'Onofrio the nods, I'm going to to take a left here, and I think Tommy Lee Jones, straight man, was really showed his you know just powerhouse and contemptibility, and just how he can own a scene when there's all of this absurdness going on, you know, and especially with his explaining the whole neuralizer thing. And you know, you you get really an explanation of the entire movie in the first little alien scene that 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 happens at the very beginning. And and you know, I don't know if anybody could have delivered that dialogue in this movie, but Tommy Lee. So, go ahead, Sam. Uh, well, you know, I, I guess I'm on, I'm on the same thought train there as as Jamie. You know, I th- I think D'Onofrio stood out performance wise to me just just because of the physical acting. You know, just the jerky movements, and he had to be taken seriously in some ways with that. And he comes across, you know, what what could be silly really does come across as kind of creepy and a little bit intimidating. You know, it, 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 it's almost like, like that that person who has like a nervous tick when they're wanting to, to get in a fight. You Come on, come on, come on, seriously. You know, <laughs> come on, come on, hit me, hit me, you know, kind of deal. You know, and it's, there, there's that little bit of intimidation to it. And I think it really just makes his performance believable. Yeah, yeah he stole the movie, man. <laughs> yeah, he, he really did. You know, D'Onofrio is a complete powerhouse of an actor, uh, you know, bursting onto the scene in uh, Full Metal Jacket as, as a private pile. In uh, during this uh, season, I looked at his IMDb too. He had quite a few of these physical roles where he's not quite, uh, you know, altogether mentally hinged. And uh, he he just was so wild and creepy and crazy. But uh, <clears throat> our next award, I, I get the the distinct pleasure of uh, saying uh, the best scene. And I, I love Jay's evaluation when he walks <laughs> in and and he's just in you know he's he's in his you know nineties hip hop clothes, and you got all the these military. People, you know, from every branch, they're, you know, uh, the, the elite of every branch. You have the Rangers, the Recon, <laughs> SEALs, you know, Pararescue, the best of the best of the best, sir, you know. And he's just like, I'm going to scoot this table over, you know, <laughs> and shoots the little girl in the head. And he's completely disrespectful, but he's, you know, taking everything at a slightly different angle. And his uh, evaluation there until it ends with his encounter with Jeeves. You know, uh, he walks in there and says, like, Yeah, I know this guy. He buys, you know, he buys stolen Rolexes. And he's like, He deals it a little bit more exotic than that. You know, and he sees, the, <laughs> and he sees his head grow back. And Tony Shalhoub, man, how amazing is he here? And uh, his, like, like you know, Tommy Lee Jones says, you know, you're trying to get a handle on the situation. You see Will Smith just going from completely in control to what the heck did I just see? 
<laughs> and, and that that really kind of anchors this movie for me. I'm going to jump in and agree with you, and I'm not even giving a backup. That is the best scene in the movie, hands down. It's not even close. <laughs> I love it. And I love that, because for me, there's two halves that make it perfect. There's the written portion and the practical portion of the yep. Right. And both scenes drag on, like, to the point, like, they're doing the, he, the, he broke the pencil, he's trying to write, everybody's trying to write on their knee, <laughs> and it keeps dragging on. Like, well, this is going a little too long. But it's one of those scenes where it goes on too long, but it wraps around to being funny again. Like, right. it just keeps going. And when he starts dragging the, dragging the table across <laughs> the it's just perfect. Yeah, then, they made it so impossible for them. The paper's too thick, <laughs> too thin, the pencil yep. split. Yeah. yeah. They've got nowhere to write. Yeah. And I love the for me it is the I, I draw the you, you went a little bit further than I did though. When he when he does the explanation of why he only shot the one round of the little girl between the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, cute little girl in the hood, late at night, can her astrophysics textbook. She ain't nothing no good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good shot though, wasn't it? <laughs> Love it. Well, and even even just the description of you know he, he was just he was just like like get, getting his exercise on. He was just working out. He was just you know. Yeah. This guy's got a cold. Yeah, he, he ain't he ain't snarling. He's sneezing. He got a tissue in his hands. Love it. It's so good. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, with, with my best scene, I, I do I love that actually what you all talked about. But there is something for me that is hilarious about Kay interrogating Frank the Pug. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and like Dwayne said, there's riffraff and <laughs> and Jay's like, he's not even high in it turns out a pug. And then he just grabs the K grabs the pug and just starts shaking him. You know, and, and it's the passerbys, it's the people who are standing around that make that scene great. Um it I mean it, it could be farcical as can be, but you've just got all these people standing around going, Oh my gosh, like he's hurting that dog, you know. <laughs> it's a ventriloquist act. <laughs> And when it flips, because you know it's not a real dog, this, even in the 90s, they wouldn't let you do that. But it's just shaking him back and forth. You see his little head bouncing. Yeah. yeah. And and how cool is Riff Raff? I mean, you, you got a guy who, who doesn't need to do or say anything. No. They're just like, stand here. Okay, go. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what do I do? Just just stand there and, and just, just stand there. Just looks like you. What does Will Smith say? Like, worst disguise ever, worst man. Disguise that ain't ever. Yeah. You know, you like, yeah. <laughs> So here we go. Love it. Oh, our next award is best character. And I think there's going to be, this is a good best performance. I think there's going to be differences on this one. So Sammy, who you got? Well, you know, we, we talked about D'Onofrio as performance, but I think I agree with Dwayne in terms of character, agent K Tommy Lee Jones. Um, even though I panned the whole retirement issue, I still like the character. <laughs> uh, and Jones really plays the role. Great. He's equal parts 
grumpy old man, but he's also this charismatic veteran who who is really trying to mentor, you know, the Knicks. And I just like how he's calm. He's cool. He's just, like I said, he knows exactly what to expect. You know, even the scene where he's like, you know, I, did, I had to go get the gun. I like this gun. You know, <laughs> so I mean, jumping down the belly of the beast kind of deal. So, yeah, but I think Agent K is definitely going to be that for me. Well, I'm going to, that's who I had written down as well, but I had a backup on this one. Okay. I, I forget her name, but it's Linda Fiorentino's character as the been in the morgue way too long. She's incredibly lonely. She's incredibly inappropriate. She's just an interesting character. Like, there's a whole lot of background there that we don't know about her. She's just interesting. And apparently, some background with the K because, you know, he, he, we see him, you know, zap her during Will Smith's interview. And then he refers multiple, you know, he, he refers later. He's like, How many times have you zapped her? He's like, Oh, I don't know. Like five or six. <laughs> Did you ever use a flashy thing on me? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> you know, her level of inappropriateness was almost equal to that of the character in Hot Fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> it was up there. It was up there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I got the impression she's been, she's been down in that morgue alone for a long time. <laughs> long time. Yeah, a long time. Yeah, well, I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction. I'm going to pick the cool guy in school here, uh, Will Smith's character. You know his his evolution from street cop, you know this tough street cop to uh, this guy, you know, in a much bigger situation and owning that role at the end of the movie. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed that, and uh, you know, I'm I'm a Will Smith fan. Uh, I, I do. I, I enjoy a lot of his roles. Uh, he's really proven himself as a great actor in some pretty heavy roles. I was even surprised how close Ali and uh, the Pursuit of Happiness come on the heels of this. Mm-hmm. You know, just really, yeah. just really like within five years, you have two very, very powerful roles. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed his performance and uh, his character of Jay was just f- so much fun. I think it took him a couple of roles to really get comfortable and confident uh, yeah. doing real acting and not just being himself on the Fresh Prince, you know? Right, yeah. right. But I think but I think once that confidence came, I mean, he's got real chops. He's a great actor. Yeah. And, you know, with this, I mean, we talked about how, how he kind of, I guess, kind of straddled both sides where he did the music also, had the song, you know, that kind of thing. You know, and even though Men, Men in Black's great, I mean, I still will always think, not on my streets like the best. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Jamie. There's a ton of them in here. Throw a dart and pick the best quote. Well, there's a bunch of funny ones. I went one that was one was a little bit less funny. Um, and so it's when he's uh, it's before he's Jay. He's still Detective Edwards, and he's asking about why everything has to be a secret. So, so why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. And I love Kay's response. Oh, yeah. He, he says, a person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. 1,500 <laughs> years ago, everyone knew the Earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, everyone knew the Earth was flat. And 15 minutes ago, you knew that humans were alone on this planet. Imagine what you'll know tomorrow. Yeah. But I, I love that part. A person is smart. People are dumb. Yeah, that's yeah. that's some wisdom, and that's a really heavy uh, line 
in this movie, and that's probably the right answer. But I'm going to go with one that I laugh at every time, and I use quite often. Jay looks at Tommy Lee Jones and says, do you know how this thing works? <laughs> Kay says, not a clue. <laughs> not a clue. <laughs> oh, I understand that. I, I, I love their chemistry, man. Yeah, their I, chemistry yeah. is great. Yeah. It, yeah. They're, they're standing with the guns. Yeah. They're standing with the guns. Says, you know how this works? Not a clue. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, well, I guess for me with best dialogue, I went back and forth with this because there's a lot of really funny ones. Um, with a lot of my awards, I try to kind of spread the wealth a little bit. So I'm going to give one to Zed, played by Rip Torn. Gentlemen, congratulations. You're everything we've come to expect from years of government training. <laughs> now please step this way as we provide you with one final test, an eye exam. <laughs> And how perfect a quote is that coming from Rip Torn? Is he insulting you? Is he honoring you? Is he serious? Is he joking? You know, the guy just plays it so straight, but he's so snarky and cool. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I do get cracked up, but they they went with the British Z and called him Zed, where everybody else is J, K, you know, that kind of thing. I thought that was an interesting twist. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was uh, that was neat. Well, there's a lot of characters in this movie. So our next and first episode specific award is best cameo or side character. Guys, Tony Shalhoub, Jeeves. <laughs> Do you know how much that stings? <laughs> Now, was this before, Monk? Yeah. yeah okay. This should have been before. Yeah, yeah this yeah. was like right after... Uh, so it was after Wings. Was, yeah, this is right after Wings, right before okay. Monk. I think this was right on the heels of um, a great, great movie with Denzel Washington, uh, The Siege. I think this is right on the heels of mm. that. Okay. Right around the air, yeah. Uh, um, I've got a different one. Um, although Tony Shalhoub, man, I, I love that dude. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Kit Fisto. Uh, <laughs> you know, we saw him in the Star Wars prequels. I've read a lot of his adventures in the comic books. I had completely forgotten that Will Smith delivers him into this world in 1997. <laughs> On the Jersey yep. Turnpike. On the Jersey That's Turnpike. Right. <laughs> that is baby Kit Fisto, man. <laughs> Well, if you remember, when we look at that screen at the aliens, George Lucas is on that screen. So, see, Lucas knew these aliens already. He just wrote them into the movie. So. He's like, this guy's going to need some work in a few years. <laughs> he was probably friends with the dad. The dad's like, hey, listen, can you, get, can you get my son a job, please? He's laying around the house doing nothing. <laughs> I'm not wrong, man. That looks just like a baby kid. Like it really I does. I know. <laughs> really does. Now that you mentioned it. My family rolled, rolled their eyes at me. And I was explaining what I was going to pick on this award. I was like, well, hold up. So I started getting pictures of me and showing them to them. They're like, okay, yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm like, That's a baby Jedi in this movie. That's, That's right. not. 
Anyway, who's your saving? You know, I've kind of talked about him already. I've got to go Frank the Pug. You know, for I just and, and the way the character does carry into the other movies, and you know, especially the second one, and and I just I love him. I just think he's cute as can be, but he's hilarious. Um, and once again, I mean, it can be taken as such a farce, but you completely believe that this dog is an alien being, and it just it works perfect. You know, <laughs> so. yeah, it totally fits with this galaxy. Well, pugs are pretty ugly, man. They're, they're, I mean, they're cute in their own way, but they don't look like they belong on our planet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that all the aliens have like regular names, Mikey. Right? <laughs> you know? It's part of their blended in. So. Jeeps, yeah. All right, well, our last award this week is Best Sci-Fi Thing. And there's a lot of, like, sci-fi tropey type stuff. There's a lot mm-hmm. of, like, gadgets. But tables, you I mean, wide open, guys. What you got, Sammy? What's your best sci-fi thing? All right. I think my best definitely has to be the noisy cricket. Uh, I love when you have these innocuous items that turn out to be this dynamic force. And, and the noisy cricket is just that. I mean, it looks like this little derringer, you know, like, but it packs this wallop. And, and the fact that, that Jay keeps firing it and throwing it back <laughs> every time, every time, you yeah. know, it's like after the first time, he's not like, yeah, I'm not firing again. No, he's like, I'm going to keep firing. It just keeps <laughs> backwards. <laughs> So, but yeah, the noisy cricket, I think, is my best sci-fi thing. Uh, I've got two. So, Dwayne, can I go last? Okay, I'll let you go last this time. Uh, my favorite thing is the galaxy in a charm. You know how they play with scale. Things aren't always what you expect them to be. You have these large galaxies but you also have this minuscule microverse almost and, and this whole galaxy that's, that fits in a cat charm that uh, you know can harness this great, great energy. Um, just how they play with that scale and perception. That's, that's one of my favorite things. Well, the Milky Way fit in a marble, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> well, you didn't help me, Dwayne. Um... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, I'm going to go with the neuralizer, uh, the flashy thing. You ever flashy thing me? And I I love just how free with it Kay is. He's just flashy thing in everybody. I love the goofy blank stares when they're done. I love the ridiculous stories he tells. Every flashy thing's people. I love it. I love the neuralizer. But I do want to give a shout out to the... Uh, the, the World's Fair Spaceships in Queens. I got a mm-hmm. kick out of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those were fun. That was a ton of fun. But, you know, this this movie talks about, you know, all these great and fantastical beings from other planets. Someone who must be an alien among us, who's played in quite a few sci-fi iconic roles, Keanu Reeves. If he were to be a man in black, how would he connect to this universe, Jamie? Are we certain he's not one of the aliens staying on this planet? I'm just saying. <laughs> dude hasn't aged in like 30 years. You uh, gotta wonder. Yeah. 
He well, does not follow that ga- that universal <laughs> week law. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go a different route this time for a counter connection. Um, fortunately, um, I always pick one person in the cast that I want it to be. And then I go, look, I start with them. And usually I fail. Then I have to start over and, you know, spend, you know, an hour and a half going through the entire cast and crew. Um, but this time it was the person I wanted it to be. And yeah. so I had time to dig around on the filmography. Um, and I found something else as even more, even more interesting, more interesting than the filmography on the IMDb page. It was the quotes. And so most of the quotes are very long, very thoughtful. Um, so I selected out the best of the short ones to save us on our runtime. Uh, so here's bad at math. I think I've got five quotes down real short ones. Unless you look like Brad Pitt, it's really hard to have full control of your character. I took a route of acting rather than star making, so it cost me a lot financially. The minute you start feeling like you've got it down, you know what you're doing. You're dead in the water. What kind of recognition do I deserve? I don't deserve any recognition. When you are a character actor, they trust you will go in, give them a full character, and leave. Uh, So one year before playing a monstrosity and a bug in Men in Black, Vincent D'Onofrio was in Feeling, Minnesota with our beloved Keanu. D'Onofrio is the Keanu Connection. Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> That's the best. Those are the best of the short ones. He's a pretty thoughtful dude. I enjoy oh, yeah, reading the yeah. quotes. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's pretty deep. Yeah, he's he's pretty in there. You know, uh I know uh, I've made reference to this earlier, but you know, his his role in uh, Full Metal Jacket. He just plays this doofus, you know big guy who can't get anything right he pecked on like 40 pounds for that role and really had a time getting it off uh, help with the kingpin role yeah. i was gonna say uh, <laughs> yeah i mean and it really did you know you, and you could tell how yeah. that role you know it, that, of course that was a career changing role but it was also physically changing for him yeah. you can see yeah but uh, vincent D'Onofrio, i love him great he's a great actor but I, I, I thought about that too. That, the quote about him taking a route of acting rather than star making, and that's true. Like he's had a really mm-hmm. strange career. Like he's followed things that just challenge him as an actor, rather than think that keep him, you know, prominent. Yeah. Um, and so, but so a lot of those quotes, and I, I do recommend going look at them. They're very thoughtful. And a, he's got an inter- interesting perspective on the entire industry and on acting in particular. But well, most of the quotes were multiple paragraphs long. So oh yeah! Them. Oh yeah! <laughs> very very thoughtful. Very very deep. Uh, our next quest maybe is something that's not quite so deep. <laughs> What's the opposite of deep? <laughs> the warriors. Yeah, that <laughs> exactly. Oh goodness! Well, you know, oh. this is the time of year. This would have been uh, kind of nearing the end of the con season. And a con that's near and dear to our hearts is a local one here, WheelCon. Um, unfortunately, with the COVID scare, the the as my uh, son says, the crummy virus. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of the cons have you know fallen casualty. WheelCon being one of those. But in honor of what would have been WheelCon week. We're going to do the showrunner's favorite movie. 
this. He's going to have some explaining to do. He's going to have some explaining to do. See, we, he and I are both fans of this movie, but we have a very different take on it. <laughs> I, I, I can honestly say I've never seen this movie, but after watching, I've I watched the trailer like four times just trying to be like, is this a thing? <laughs> You know, but uh, The Warriors, it's 1979. Unfortunately, uh, it's, it's only available to rent or purchase, uh, you know, by streaming, unless you happen to... Uh, be an individual who owns a copy. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, listeners. We know you don't know this. <laughs> so, 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 would you describe the Warriors as kind of like West Side Story without the music in a post-apocalyptic world? <laughs> That's too high, Braille. It's like running. It's like Running Man meets Escape from New York meets Kiss meets The Phantom of the Park meets <laughs> baseball. <laughs> I I think it's supposed to be a modern retelling of the Odyssey that went incredibly sideways. Oh well, hmm. I think that's what it's supposed to be. It's hard to tell though. So, so what you're saying? This Homer said, "Don't." As opposed to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we're, we're going to have lots of lots of times to make comments next time, guys. Yeah. So save, as, save your uh, ammo. <laughs> so if if you so choose to follow us on this journey, you know, and, and would like to view this movie, uh, you know, it, it can be found on Vudu, Amazon, or YouTube. Um, also. If you just want to maybe listen to us trying to decipher this thing, I'm sure that's going to be quite interesting as well because you'll probably be as lost as we are. But, Jamie, as we prepare for the Warriors next week in honor of Will Conn and our friend Jim, what are we going to do? We're going to keep it nerdy. Can you dig it? <laughs>